How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Reagan Harold. That man right there, that is Taylor Thomas, the Taylor Thomas himself. And folks, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of NAI Softball. And again, Taylor, what a weekend. Yeah, what a weekend. What an introduction, too. I mean, the Taylor Thomas. Not the, the Taylor Thomas of Weber, but the Taylor Thomas of NAISB. You have, you have to make sure that's different. <laughs> Absolutely. Taylor Thomas didn't have too bad of a bad of a weekend, but uh, she was unfortunately up against a arm that was just maybe a, a weight or two above her punching class right now. Yeah, and that would be our um, our great friend Annalise Wood. Um, we might. I feel like I feel like at this point, like we said, we we bring her name up very often. It really is every week. But you know, she just keeps giving us great performances and keeps topping herself every time out. I mean, we can't not talk about it. It was and the performance that she put on this weekend down in Florida was incredible. Yeah, and I, I'll get uh, we'll get into Annalise and her performance too, Taylor. But the big thing I took out out of the weekend. Uh, with their trip down to Sunshine State, Sun Conference, conference I, I, I've covered and everything, and uh, she torched it. I mean, she lit it on absolute fire, uh, to, got the win over Coastal Georgia last week, and decides to come down here to the Sunshine State and throw the 17 strikeout no-hitter against Weber, And we'll, but we'll get into that. The thing that impressed me the most, Taylor Thomas, is the lineup of Georgia Gwinnett because they got out of that bigger, they do play in one of the bigger ballparks uh, in the country. They played on a little bit more normal sized uh, parks, Southeastern Weber. They're both your more genuine uh, 200, 220 uh, all across the park. And it was an all around effort. Like there were no holes in the lineup. They were stealing bags. They looked like the complete team that we thought they would be throughout the year. And they've hit their stride at the right time. Look, Go back a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about what Georgia Gwinnett needed to do through this stretch. And they've exceeded any expectations as, that I've had. When they started off against Lindsey Wilson, they take three or four. Then they they split with USCB, which, you know, it was a little bit concerning. But then they got into the meat of this uh, road schedule at Mobile, two wins. USCB, two wins. Split with a really good Coastal Georgia team. Uh, split with a really good Truett-McConnell team. First game really close, one nothing. Uh, then you had the, uh, Annalise's perfect game against Truett-McConnell. Come down against Weber. Now, Weber not as strong as some of these other teams, not what they thought uh, they would be at the beginning of the year, but they took care of business. 13 to nothing. unfortunately, wasn't able to get there. And that, then it happened. Then... I got to see Annalise Wood pitch in person for the first time. Taylor, I've seen uh, seen some good ones in person. Seen Cerny. I've seen uh, Kayla Swenson plenty of times, uh, and I I don't. She's right up there with both of them. I think better than better than Swenson. I I think right up there with Cerny. I mean, the speed, the location, the movement, the rise ball, everything. And the thing is with Weber. We, that was one of the best games I've seen us swing the bat. Like, we were swinging the bat well. We were recognizing the pitches. They knew what they had to do. They were sitting rise ball. They knew what was coming. They knew what was about to be thrown with two strikes, and it didn't matter. And if they made an adjustment, she would, like that, on the fly, make, make the change. 
And like I said, all around the and the entire team for Gwinnett had an incredible day. I mean, they won thirteen to nothing and nine nothing against Weber. Going up against, I mean, two decent pitchers in Jenna Shuttleween and Taylor Thomas. I mean, yeah, look, Weber's problem has been fielding and <clears throat> fielding and the bats. It hasn't been the pitching. George Gwinnett didn't really get the memo, Taylor. I mean, Sydney Pelias, huge weekend against Weber and Southeast. Eastern Lindsay Lindsay Owen huge weekend as well. Leah McFadden, the young players, Summer Hickson. Summer Hickson looked like one of the one of the top uh, shortstops in the country this this weekend, both with the bat and with the glove. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. We said about two three weeks ago we were going to start looking for teams that are going to start clicking right now. And I don't. It's it's hard for me to find a team that's clicking better than Georgia Gwinnett. Um, it, especially when you have experience in the uh, with the other arms in their rotation, I it it's gonna be it, it's it's gonna be tough. I mean, to not pick against Gwinnett when we when we we start looking at who's finished the season the strongest. Yeah, absolutely. And like speaking of finishing strong too, I mean the season, yes, but this stretch as well. I mean, like you said, you lose a tough game to a good Coastal Georgia team, and you come back and you shut them out, and then. Truett, of course, win by a shutout. Weber, two shutouts. And then Southeastern, um, that you got to see yesterday, obviously, a 3 nothing shutout. They didn't get that game to in due to the weather. But Georgia Gwinnett, yeah, they're, they're here. I mean, they, they're playing arguably their best softball of the season right now. And it's a great time to do it, too. I mean, you, you got to speak with Coach Kat Eilenberg after the game. And they're, they have their eyes set on a rematch of Middle Georgia uh, coming up to before they get into the postseason tournament. And not just Annalise, but the bats and the young bats at that, once again, to your point, if they can continue to get production from those young bats on top of, you know, a lineup with Owen and Hulk and Sidney Pelias, seems really scary, really, really scary. It does. And I, I'll tell you, the, the scariest part is talking to, with, with a couple of Weber hitters Alexa Good pitched ju- just as well in, in their eyes. I mean, Alexa Good, now she only pitched uh, five innings because it was a rout, but, I mean, she only gave up one hit. She walked three, and she struck out eight. Eight eight or 15 batters she faced, she struck out eight. I mean, we start looking at what kind of pr- production Gwinnett's going to get outside of Annalise in the, uh, in the arm farm, and they got two really, really good pitchers um, outside. Uh, I really wanted to see KB pitch. Uh, and the game two against Southeastern, unfortunately, there there was weather didn't get get to see that. But yeah, and defensively too. I mean, they looked great defensively when needed because against Southeastern, uh, you know, Annalise wasn't striking players out. I mean, she only had four strikeouts during the game, and it was excellent defense all around her that picked her up. And they it, it was a closer game, three to nothing, but. I mean, you just kind of felt like after they scored one, I mean, you don't, you kind of feel like pressure's home big time for Southeastern. And then they got a three nothing. And it was just kind of like, I I don't know. I mean, they're they're playing really good softball right now. Um, Yeah, there there are a couple other teams we're going to talk about uh, here here shortly that are playing some really good softball. But I I don't know if there's any better softball being played outside of Gwinnett right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gwinnett has been a staple at this level for, I mean, since Coach Cat took over the program uh, back in 2013. And 
obviously she once again want to congratulate her on getting her 400 career win over that stretch as well but yeah like Gwinnett it, we talk about it all the time in, in the diamond sports playing the best at the right time really any sport at that and Gwinnett's definitely doing that and I think that this test uh this coming week against middle Georgia like I said a team that they lost to earlier in the season is also going to tell us a lot more and if they continue this stretch I mean, boy, you got to look out for the Grizzlies even even more than what you were already expecting. Once again, Annalise Wood has four walks on the year to 235 strikeouts. That is that's just absurd to me. I don't know. Is that ratio crazier or the one to one ratio for no hitters to walk crazier? I mean, she like said she just continues to go out every single time and one almost one ups herself every time out. So. Annalise, we know you're listening. Keep giving us good performances to talk about. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah, it, it is good content. Hey, we forgot to mention at the top, we are uh, recording this live uh, during the Oregon Tech, Southern Oregon, and the uh, College of Idaho, Eastern Oregon game. We'll get into the game one, talk a little bit later. Uh, we were going to do like a live stream if it were uh, really close. Looks like it's 4-1 Oregon Tech heading into the seventh. Mike, we'll, we'll pop on the live stream real uh, real quick pay for it right I mean, might, might as well use it um but <laughs> yeah but hey uh moving on uh for, from georgia gwinnett taylor well what's the next what's the next step what, what, what we got what we got on the schedule here uh well another performance that kind of stood out to me and really a big time matchup and in the g-pack and a team that i talk about almost every week in northwestern uh they took on dort the defenders out of iowa and come into the game Obviously, Northwestern has been on an absolute tear, and you would kind of expect Northwestern to handle business here. Uh, but Dort had none of that, uh, especially Abby Kramer. A complete game shutout in a one to nothing win in game one uh, gave Northwestern their first conference loss on the season. And uh, game two, Northwestern bounced right back like any good team does. Uh, I expect to see this matchup in the conference tournament uh, fairly soon. And if we get Abby Kramer against this elite Northwestern pitching staff, I think it's going to be much of the same. I think it's going to be a pitcher's duel yet again. In that game, too, Gwen McKelson was three for four with two RBIs, two big RBIs at that. Northwestern really responded well. Cam Etherington continued continued her dominance at the plate and in the circle. And then Kate Kralik with five shutout innings in game two to kind of slam the door real early on Dort and take away all the momentum. Of course, losing that game one like they did at home, Kind of a gut punch, especially at Northwestern, a place that they don't lose too many games at. Uh, they came back and they responded in a big way. Number 10 in the country right now for very good reason. And the Northwestern Raiders are rolling in the post coming into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a team like Gwinnett's that, that's getting hot at the right time. I mean, what about Northwestern, who's just been red hot all year? I mean, especially uh, down here, uh, down in this, uh, down the stretch. Uh, of the regular season, and you know, like you said, uh, they had a little bit of adversity. How would they respond against Dort? Um, Abby Abby Kramer had the complete game shutout, and you know, o- overall they did. They respond. They responded well. Um, I think North Northwestern's another team that they're playing excellent. So they've played excellent softball all year, like I said. But I think they are playing their best softball now. And yeah, I mean, they, they, they're going to be a really interesting uh, team in the postseason. Uh, it's, it's more one of those, how do you respond in the postseason now you're in it kind of deal. That's really the only question I have for Northwestern, and I think they'll answer it pretty well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, that's that is why I was interested in this matchup too, especially them losing that game one like they did on their home field. Kind of the first time they've in a, at least it in a doubleheader that they've been uh they've taken a big of a gut punch like that. And they responded really well. It really shows that uh this team's ready. This team's definitely ready for the postseason. Uh got a big time uh conference sweep yet again at Mount Marty today. Puts them, I believe, at forty two and four wow. on the season. And a big uh already big wins on their resume over at the time number two Indiana Wesleyan uh that we'll talk about here soon. But uh yeah, the Northwestern Red Raiders, man, they are they're getting really hot at the right time. And behind Crowley Jacobson and Etherington, this team can I say it a lot, but this team can go a long way with that trio. Yeah, absolutely they can. Uh, you know, you, you look at another big conference matchup that was actually today, uh, top 25 matchup and number 10 team in, in the country, the Marion Knights, Taylor. They showed up and they showed out today against the 25th ranked Mount Vernon Nazarene. Took game one, eight, eight to three, two nothing. By the way, shout out, um, oh gosh, what, um, ISC Sports Network, I'm pretty sure, that did the Marion game. Excellent coverage. Love watching it. By the way, I, don't, don't don't tell my football people, but boy, am I glad I'm done with football so I, I can just get done a class and watch, watch, watch softball all day. It was awesome. But um, anyways, game one, Green comes out. Excellent. The, the Marion lineup to me is become underrated lineup, really, and it's deep. And it was shown today in both games that were two or three different girls uh, showing up in game one, it was Green going two for three with the home run, two RBIs. Uh, Madeer went two for four with a pair. Fink went two for three with a pair of RBIs. And then game two, Wilson just steps up and absolutely shuts down Mount Vernon Nazarene. Complete game shutout, seven Ks, only gives up the four hits, two-nothing ball game. They won two different styles uh, of of softball they went out they hit a lot of a lot of uh slap shot singles early on uh in game one and then finished up with a pair of home runs late in game one uh good pitching uh as well in game one only gave up three runs but the bats really came to life um and then when mount vernon had good pitching in game two wilson just stepped right up complete game shutout i mean i don't know uh what else you can ask for from marion uh, it's exactly what they needed to do. They needed a bounce back after losing to Indiana Wesleyan. We'll get into that here, here in a second, but uh, that, that's what they did. They bounced back after a tough loss in a very impressive way. Yeah, uh, Marion behind, you know, that lineup and Olivia Stunkel. Olivia Stunkel's had uh, just an incredible stretch this past month, continuing to lower her ERA, I'm, uh, hovering around a point six on the season now. Uh, and Stunkel, and Marion picking up that 40th win at that two today. Ninth time winning the Crossroads League. Uh, I wouldn't say too big of a shock, honestly, because they are a, a very good program, of course. Uh, but if you run into this Marion team, like like many teams in the North, they can sneak up on you because you really don't have a lot of film on them. They don't play a lot of games due to the weather at the start of the year, so they kind of have they kind of have to get hot late um, as they're playing so many games throughout. And with this doubleheader sweep of a really good Mount Vernon Nazarene team behind, you know, Sheridan Sullivan, a team that's beaten Marion already this season, uh, is a really, really impressive showing. And the Knights are, like George Gwinnett, playing really great softball right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, let, let, let's get into the Indiana Wesleyan Marion uh, matchup from th this past weekend. 
Uh, you know, game one, that's classic Alyssa Wagner. And look, one nothing, that's all they need. They got, they have an arm like Alyssa who can go out and she'll shut you down. And they know you just got to get one, one across. They have only the one he hit um, against the Knights. And I think it's not only we look at Indiana Wesleyan as a team that's starting to figure it out. It's a team that's starting to play pretty much exactly how they did last year. And we talked to we, – well, I can't remember if we said this on, on, on the podcast or uh, just on the phone, Taylor, but we we looked at some teams that were outside the top 10 to 15 who started the year in that range, and could they turn it around and could they figure it out? And, you know, in teams in that category, Indiana Wesleyan was certainly one of them, and I think they've responded better than any of the other teams. Yeah, absolutely. I believe they've bumped their win streak up to nine now. Yeah. Um, back half and had that really rough stretch where we talked about. I mean, they had lost, I believe it was four conference games in a row, and that was the first time that that's happened since uh, 2014 uh, when they lost those two close games to Marion. Um, but they've really, really turned a corner. And Indiana Wesleyan, like like you said, looks like the team of last year. I mean, Jenna Yost is you know hitting four. 418 right now. Zoe Fountain's hitting 360. She's 41 of 41 this year on stolen bases. It's a team that they can beat you a lot of ways. Uh, Elijah Kosi leads them with 11 home runs, too. Uh, this Indiana Wesleyan team, if they can continue this play that they've kept up over this past 10-game stretch, it really wouldn't surprise me to see them right back in Columbus this year if they yeah. like get out at the right time behind uh, Wagner, Emmett, or Cox in that lineup. Yeah, you got veterans like Cameron Buck, Ashton Whitman. They both st- uh, stepped up in big ways. Uh, mo- both had multi-RBI games against Marion in game two to take it, um, you know, a totally different way. Kind of like what Marion did to Mount Vernon, Indiana Wesleyan did to Marion. They won a pitcher's duel, one nothing, and uh, they slugged it out in ga- game two, 8-3 winners. And, boy, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's just adding to what's to come because we're seeing all these teams starting to peak and figure it out at the right time. Boy, I'm ready to see Indiana Wesleyan in, in, in their conference tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we think back to a lot of teams that are kind of following that same path. You know, not not a great start to the year, underperforming their expectations. Some may write them off. Some may still keep them in mind. And then you look up and – early mid-April and they've rolling they're rolling off nine ten wins in a row going into the conference tournament and they really 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 get it done especially a team as storied as Indiana was and they've been there before they've been to the World Series uh consistently a World Series opening round finalist appearance I mean this this team's definitely no stranger to success and with the way they're playing right now it really wouldn't surprise me if they if we look up here in about two weeks and Indiana Wesleyan um, wins their conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at them, Mobile, Southeastern, Freed Hardman, uh, off the top of my head, those are teams that are kind of in that category. And I do think the last two weeks or so, Indiana Wesleyan has impressed the most um, out of at least the, those four teams. But they can figure it out like that, and they're right back to one of the top five teams in the country. All all of those teams. If they, they figure it out like that. Their experience – uh, and I think that that's the fun part that we have this year is we have several of those teams, uh, like the ones that I uh, just mentioned, that they can click and they can figure it out, and boom, they can be anybody in the top five, top ten right now in the polls. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Indiana Wesleyan, uh, you know, sitting at 22 right now, it's pretty low for them. Uh, but they're sure, surely not playing like it, that's for sure. They're playing like the Indiana Wesleyan. We kind of expected them to play like at the start of the year. And you look back at some of their losses, too. I mentioned it when talking about Northwestern. Northwestern's, I mean, that was a one-run ball game, and that was neutral site game in Arizona, too. Uh, so a little bit of kind of freshness on the year, too, with that being such an early season tournament for two northern schools that really haven't gotten a lot of practice time outside in the offseason. And you look up now, like you said, with Northwestern and Indiana Wesleyan, like we've talked about, playing your best softball at the right time, that'll get you a long, long ways as opposed to starting well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, next up on the slate, you want to talk about our friends? Uh, friends? Yeah. Uh, speaking of playing well at the right time, friends yeah. in the office has been on a this episode. I, I get. I guess that's kind of what this episode has kind of become. It's all right. Who's playing the best right now? Yeah, and friends is right up there with those schools that we had just mentioned. Yep. I mean. I'm an offensive playing page right now, one of the best lineups in the country. Uh, and you take down a McPherson team, put up 10 runs. I'm looking at it right here. They had uh, one, two, three, four, five games in a row in the past uh, the past 10 where they put up at least double-digit runs. One of those is a 25-run performance. Uh, Caroline Alamore, once again, is the credit. Priscilla Moore, who was the hitter of the week last week, the freshman, she's really impressed. Uh, but Layla Spracklin. Layla Spracklin broke the the friend's all-time strikeout record um, this past week and followed that up with an incredible performance in a 5-3, to 10-inning win against a really good Kansas Wesleyan team in the KCAC. 10 innings pitch, two earned runs, 14 strikeouts. That is – I mean, talk about when you when your team needs it most, you step up. Spracklin's been one of the best pitchers in the KCAC – past couple of years this is a friends team that's no stranger to success like i said they've won the conference tournament last year went to an opening round and behind spracklin if she continues to get performances like this the friends falcons we may we may see them surprise a lot of folks in the next few weeks yeah uh they're gonna surprise a lot of teams kind of how i was surprised they didn't sneak into the top 25 in the last polls um i think a lot of people um, thought they would, they would be there. I think they are that kind of twenty quote unquote twenty six best best team we see in RV. Uh, I mean, that's a debate for another time. But yeah, friends, they're like we said, they're hitting their stride at the right time. Um, I don't I don't think it's crazy to say they have a top ten offense, top ten lineup in, in the NAI. Would you Would you uh, disagree with that? I mean. I think we I could push it. I don't know if I'd push it and say top five, but I'd say pretty definitively a top ten lineup. Oh yeah, I would have to agree a hundred percent. I mean, you look at this lineup. This lineup does done damage all season long, and I mean they're no they're not slowing down anytime soon. They make they make every pitcher that they face work. That is for sure. I mean they've already already beaten Oklahoma Wesleyan Oklahoma Wesleyan early in the season. They can do it against the top of the KCAC. And it's gonna that KCAC tournament's gonna be really really fun, just like last year. There's gonna be so many so many fun tournaments. I cannot wait. I'll tell you an- another fun one, maybe the most underrated uh, tournament this year is going to be the WAC, the Wolverine, uh, the Wolverine Hoosier uh, Athletic Conference. 
Big matchup today. Again, got to just sit on the couch and watch this game. It was epic. It was awesome. Uh, at least game one, didn't watch too much of game two because it uh it, it was it was pretty over quick. Game I'm talking about, of course, folks, is Indiana Tech against Aquinas. The Warriors took a huge step in getting their uh, – or clinching the WAC regular season conference tournament, getting two wins, a team they were tied atop of the conference with in – uh, the the Aquinas Saints game one it started off perfect start perfect way to start off three o'clock boom home solo shot for Aquinas then solo shot Indiana Tech and solo shot it was just a home run derby early on then got to be a pitcher's duel especially when I tell you one of the most underrated pitchers in the, in the NAI for at least freshman pitchers who's really starting to figure some stuff out Savannah Bravo comes in close game and finishes off the final four and two-thirds innings almost, not almost, perfectly. Perfect four and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen for the freshman, Savannah Bravo. No walks, no hits, eight Ks, 14 up, 14 down for Bravo. Uh, hey, Bravo, clap it up, folks. Clap it up for the freshman. Uh, four, three, three winners. Berlin uh, gets the single uh, in, in the eighth. Bravo shuts the door. And Indiana Tech said they had uh, they had ran all out of uh, heart medication at that point and just took it to Aquinas early and often in game two nine one uh, not 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 a whole I say it was a small ball uh, from Indiana Tech getting the job done. Alyssa Fox had three RBIs. Uh, Jamie Koning would add on going two for three. Jordan Dipple uh, would go three for four as well. And he had Texas solid lineup heading into the uh, end of the whack, playing good softball. I mean, look at it, they're going to you know probably finish with around ten, maybe even less uh, losses. No, they they haven't played you know one of your stronger uh, uh, conferences um, in the AI, but. They're, they're a side that people are going to look at that whenever we get opening round time. And Indiana Tech's not going to be be one of those two, three seats. I, I'm going to be welcoming with open arms if I'm a one seed. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, bravo, Savannah, bravo. I wonder how many times she's heard that already. Oh, I'm sure, we're the, I'm sure we're the first. We'll have to put the trademark in in the morning. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, is, like, we're going to have to start saying it a lot more. Like you said, 14 up, 14 down, then coming back in that game to start. And she's yet another young arm that we've seen emerge this year in the country. And the young pitching, the young talent that we have right now at the NAI level, it's insane to watch, honestly. And behind arms, you know, like Kira Baker, Annalise Wood, that's a sophomore. Uh, Bravo, as well, that's a freshman. Jordan Ball from Central Methodist, that's also a freshman. The USAO freshman. I mean, we, we're in for a treat these next you, four years. I'll tell you another one people uh, need to start getting privy to. Avery Harrell, and ain't just because of her last name. Avery Harrell, um, you know, we, we, we've talked about Annalise Woods' 13-inning game against Mobile, arguably most impressive game. Don't forget it was a freshman. It wasn't it wasn't butts or golf going toe-to-toe with Annalise Wood. It was the freshman, Avery Harrell. It was Avery Harrell that had a two-hit shutout against a pretty good – uh, Faulkner lineup today. I'm telling you, Mobile. It's a, Mobile is a sleeping giant right now because they have two of the most experienced pitchers. They have a third young arm that looks ready for anything right now, and we know their lineup can hit. 
Don't don't write Mo, Mobile off, folks. No, they fell off a little bit. Don't. I'm telling y'all, don't do it. Coach Cook going to get you. Yeah, absolutely. And that, like like we said, many of these tournaments, that Southern States one's going to be really really fun between between Mobile and uh, Middle Georgia and William Carey and Stillman even as well. It was already upset Mobile this season. Uh, but like you said, if Mobile is definitely a sleeping giant. And behind Harrell, we've seen her a little bit in the season, but that, like you said, that one against Georgia Gwinnett, toe-to-toe with Annalise Wood, that's impressive. And if you do that against an arm like Annalise Wood and a team like Georgia Gwinnett, mm-hmm. you're pretty much ready for anything, honestly. I mean, that yeah. that's a World Series environment. That's a World Series matchup, and it's something that we could see in the World Series, and we could possibly see these those same two pitchers go at it again. But behind, you know, Butts and Goff, and then Harold now – Talk about getting three arms and three elite arms that can take you a long way. If Harold and the freshman continues to throw like she has down the stretch here, Mobile the Mobile Rams might be making a return trip to Columbus. Yeah, hold on. I'm pulling up her stats. I just want to see her full season stats right now. And I will look at it later. Um, okay, uh, let's move on from that. Hey. You know, we, something we talked about doing, folks, I think we're we're going to do when we get to the end of the year is, you know, maybe do like an all-defensive team, um, in our opinion. Um, of course, stats-based, too. But you had a little, you, had, you have a little take, Taylor. Is that correct? Yeah, and honestly, I thought it was a hot take about two weeks ago, and it just keeps getting cooler and cooler by the game. And that is OCU shortstop Tiffany Paul. Now, Tiffany Paul last year as a freshman was fifth in the country in RBIs, playing center field uh, with Kennedy Jackson and Nikki Robinson, uh, manning the middle for the Stars on that championship run last year. And Tiffany Paul this season has taken over that shortstop role for an OCU legend like Kennedy Jackson, which are huge shoes to fill. And you really, honestly, there's not much of a drop-off, to be honest with you. I mean, this girl... I love I love defense. I was a defensive-minded guy when I played baseball. And watching Tiffany Paul take ground balls just in warm-ups is something that I could do and pay any amount of money to watch because she's she's a wizard. She really is. I sent you the three plays that she had last week against Southwestern Christian. Uh, the quick flip up the middle to turn two. The cannon of an arm to throw out Hannah Keel, who's tied for the national lead in doubles right – or excuse me, in triples right now with eight. And then the – the one deep in the hole where she almost overthrew Cameron Garvey, she threw it so hard. I mean, <laughs> Tiffany Paul is incredible. I could honestly talk about Tiffany Paul and the way she plays defense for an entire episode. It's really special to watch. It's it's some of the best hands I've seen at the collegiate level of softball in a long, long time, and that goes for any level. I mean, it's it's incredible. She's an incredible player. She's only a sophomore, too. We talk about young talent throughout. Tiffany Paul is a name to circle on her way to a potential All-American season, and she's got no sign, of, no sign of slowing down. I'm telling you, if you're ever ever in the Oklahoma City area and you want to watch a great shortstop go to work, it's Tiffany Paul. She is one of the must-watch players, I would say, in NAI softball right now. I'd say somewhere between 10 and 15. Well, that's a, that'd be a fun little off-season list right there. But you, you're right. Um, you know, something you, you talked to me about uh, a while ago uh, w- with this take, and I was like, I, she's a good shortstop, yeah, but I don't know if that's her primary 
uh, spot or, or not. And then I started watching. I started really watching and starting to pay attention. And you started sending me these clips of hers. And I mean, she, her fielding percentage is some astronomical number. And then you see the hands and you see how quick it is and how she is able to move with, with her uh, and get to where she makes a what should be a hard play look routine. That's the part where you start to really separate yourself as a defender. Um, now, like I said, you're more uh, of a defensive guy. I think I, I would consider myself more of a pitcher, uh, pitching guy. Uh, but but it, either way, uh, I think I, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, I, I texted you this uh, the other day. If there was a platinum glove, if there was a best defender overall in NAI softball, there are some names you could throw around. I don't know if there's any that, that they would take that away from her right now. Yeah, and once again, like, I don't even say that it's me just being in the area and getting to see her play all the time. Uh, I, I really believe that. I do think that, in my opinion, she is the best shortstop in the country. And we saw we got a taste of it. I mean, go back to Oklahoma City, uh, the tournament at Hall of Fame Stadium, that incredible 2 nothing win against Oakwu. Uh, back in February, she ended it on that that spin throw in one motion, like you said, yeah. makes the plays look very routine. That ball was an up the middle single tie ball game uh, against ninety eight percent of the country. But with someone like Tiffany Paul Manning, the shortstop role, I mean that she she's she is a special special player to watch among others too. I mean talk about talk about just doing it all. I mean Tiffany Paul is that, and then some. Yeah, and I don't think I don't I don't, I certainly didn't think that at all. I don't think either one of us either one of us have really been location biased uh, too too much uh, to to any, really any extent. And you're, but you're you're right. And like for the people listening, Taylor, you're not like a big hot take. You're just going to dro- drop a hot take without you really really thinking on it and believing it. Uh, it's one. Of th- things I respect so much about you because you know me I if I get a hot take in my head I'm gonna let somebody know hey, 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 you, you gotta know it's gonna be it may, it may be terrible it may be a bad one but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you know um but not as bad as that one uh, we talked about the other night with uh Cameron the whole Jalen Hurts is in the top 10 yeah we're not gonna get into that but tell you what we can get into let's uh lock back in let's get into the weekend preview Got a huge, another huge Heart of America matchup. And then, hey, we get postseason softball this weekend, brother. <laughs> that postseason softball starts uh, in a little less than 24 hours at the time. Yeah, of yeah actually, yeah, yeah. It's the Appalachian Athletic Conference Tournament uh, in Kingsport, Tennessee. And you have, like you said, postseason softball, the best time of year. And it's, and it's here. Everyone else starts up next week, finishing the regular season. But the AAC – Gives us that postseason softball starting tomorrow, 11 a.m. there in, in Kingsport. Uh, number four, Tennessee Wesley, and the number five point go at it. Then you have Reinhardt, the regular season champs, uh, taking on a really good Milligan squad. Uh, game three is going to be at 3 p.m. Truett McConnell, a team that we've seen all throughout the season against Kentucky Christian, who has um, some of the best hitters overall in this conference. And then game four rounds it out tomorrow with number three, Bernal, taking on number six, Johnson. And the AAC tournament outside of – you may look at this and be like, all right, Reinhardt, Truett McConnell probably. But don't sleep on the three, four, and five. I mean, Point, Tennessee Wesleyan, Brennau, we've seen them 
give a lot of surprising performances and a lot of close ball games, not only in conference, but out of conference. Uh, this one's going to be fun for sure. I, I can't wait to really just watch postseason softball, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you can't sleep on teams like bring out uh, Point, who runs the bases uh, extremely well, and Tennessee – Wesley Ann, who was a World Series team last year. So, yeah, they obviously won't be intimidated and won't be uh, – they'll be fine, basically. However, I do find it – I think it could happen, but I'm really looking between Reinhardt and Truett McConnell right now uh, for those two. Would, would you agree or do you do you see another team take, taking the AAC uh, tournament? I think I think Milligan could honestly sneak up on some people um, just with the offense that they have. Um, but to me, it really is Reinhardt and Truett McConnell. Uh, Reinhardt really has kind of gone under the radar throughout. I mean, they're receiving votes in the poll, too, so it's kind of hard to do. But talking about trios of arms and Whitney Shepard and Ali Andrino and then the freshman Kylie Free, uh, 1.21 ERA, 2.94 ERA, 1.66 respectively. It's team ERA of 1.95. And they all have a decent amount of innings. Uh, Shepard, of course, leads them with 115. But Andrino, 64 and a third. And then Kylie Frey, 54 and two thirds. A lot of arm, a lot of experience on these arms. And I think Reinhardt and Truett McConnell is going to, if should they match up in the conference championship game, that one's going to be one of the best ones in the country. Yeah, it absolutely will. Um... You look, you look at uh, um, excuse me. Uh, you look at Truett McConnell. I would love to see uh, their arms as well. I mean, their arms have gone up against elite competition uh, in Georgia all year, led by Ky- uh, Kylie Sanders. Uh, I I think that'd be an, a re- really good matchup. Another Georgia. You know, we talked about it. Uh, I think off air, but there's a really good shot. The Peach State is going to have about four. Could have four or five conference champions. Yeah, no doubt. And like you said, you know, you talk about uh, Middle Georgia, you know, Reinhardt, True McConnell, Georgia Burnett, of course. Uh, and we kind of expect that. But this this Reinhardt team behind that lineup, too, with Alexis Griffith, who's hitting 346, Emily Loveless, who's hitting 442. This is a really, really good, well-rounded team, a team that we saw uh, go into Gwinnett earlier in the season and give them really all they could handle. It was a pretty yeah. uh, much there. And Drew McConnell, too, I, I know that Annalise Wood got him back uh, the next time she faced him. Uh, but when you look at Drew McConnell and Reinhardt here, these are, I think, despite what happens, obviously, Reinhardt has a, a bid from the conference locked up. I think these are definitely two opening round teams. I think Drew gets in should they win this conference championship game or not. Um, but Reinhardt and Drew, for sure. And in the Peach State, like you said, it, we talk about the Sooner State and out west in Florida, but the Peach State is right up there with it as far as talent goes in the NAI this year. Hey, hey, you know, the, the Georgia guy comes along, starts talking a little NAI softball, and hey, here we go. Now, uh, it was prime. I mean, it was prime to be the year. Uh, we talked about a little bit at the very, very beginning of the year. We were like, holy cow, the, the Georgia is going to be maybe the elite state right up there with Oregon, Oklahoma, and Florida uh, for NAI softball. And it certainly, has not uh, disappointed. And you know, speaking of not disappointing, Taylor, Heart of America all year has been absolutely crazy. And we got another one uh, 
today episode airs today so tonight or this afternoon central methodist mount mercy which you're looking for in this big part of america matchup jordan ball versus jana whitsney yeah enough that, said yeah that's good for that's good enough for me that is that is definitely in my opinion a a top five pitching matchup yeah. this season. Uh, so far, Jordan Ball has had a phenomenal, phenomenal freshman campaign. Um, she is one of the elite young arms that we talk about a lot. Uh, with the CMU lineup, like you said, Madison White, Madison Roberts, uh, and then Whitsney going up against an incredible, incredible arm. And like you said, CMU, of course, has faced the Kira Bakers and the Skyler Gorals and the Wall Jaspers from Grandview. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Whitsney's... Still, I, I think she's underrated as far as nationally goes, even, yeah. despite having the crazy numbers that she has. This one's going to be fun, especially, like like I said, uh, Jordan Ball versus Whitney. That's that's must-see television right there. Boy, I tell you what, you got my gears and my brain spinning when you said that was a, maybe a top-five matchup we've seen this year. I was trying to think of some some other ones. The only one I, that I could really think of that's better than that one and I mean, it's just showing how good th- this matchup is, and it is must watch. Um, Haley Dickerson versus Annalise was pretty good. Um, that I, I'm that that that's up there, but yeah, no, I, th- I think that I think this one's up up there, especially when you uh, look at it, such a young arm um, like like Jordan Ball. Uh, by the way, for like half a second when you said her name. Um, I was like, is, is he lost his mind? Is he just talking about Oklahoma here? <laughs> but but oh, no, no, I, I, I call I call it on. But yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a really fun, uh, really fun matchup. Uh, two really good defensive teams too. It's going to pretty much comes down to who makes the first mistake, either pitching or uh, fielding wise. And I think that'll be it. It'll be a lot like what we saw with. Uh, you know, Marion and um, uh, Marion and Indiana Wesleyan last week, one little mistake, and that'll be it. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a coin flip, honestly. It's just who's going to make the 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 lesser lesser mistake, or will nobody make a mistake, and we're going and we're going to have a ten inning game, which I don't think uh, out of the realm of possibility either. Yeah, no, especially in the heart and the pitching that that's within the conference too. I mean, we've seen. Just about every team play an extra inning game against one another this year, honestly. And uh, I think I think CMU does have the slight edge in this. I think their lineup is better. Um, but don't sleep on that Mount Mercy lineup either. I mean, McKenna Monk, uh, someone we got to interview early on in the season, she's having an incredible year once again. Uh, but it'll kind of be a test of the young versus the experience here. Uh, Jordan Ball. By the way, every time I look her name up, Jordy Ball uh, comes up first because uh, of Oklahoma. Yeah. So it's very similar. Um, but once again, like like Jordy Ball at the D1 level last year, Jordan Ball is having an incredible freshman season. And I expect her to improve on that. I think that this CMU team uh, relies on her pretty heavily and for good reason, too. I mean, she's right now you got to like her and how she's thrown down the stretch here against a lot of teams in the heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. I think we got one more. We got one more on the preview. Indiana Southeast Midway, pretty, um, pretty much decides it, right? Uh, potential double header uh, decides the River States. Who are you rocking with? Who, who, who you think is coming out on top here? This, this see this one. This one's really, really a, a true coin flip uh, yeah, to me. It is. And the River State. I mean, the River States is. 
like the heart has been pretty competitive throughout. Honestly, no one's really pulled away. And I mean, look at this matchup here. I mean, it decides it pretty much on Saturday. Uh, should Midway take care of St. Mary's of the Woods uh, over here on Friday? And IU Southeast, IU Southeast has put together a quiet, quiet back half here. Um, but Midway, we, this is a team that we saw. I mentioned it a lot because they're one of the few losses that Cumberland's the Cumberland's Patriots have on their schedule. That put definitely put us on notice. And they've played a great brand of softball since. They've had a really rough stretch here in conference with ending with Rio Grande, St. Mary's, the Woods, and now going to be IU Southeast. But once again, these two teams are tied in the conference standings. I think this is going to be a 2-1 run ball games, to be honest with you. I think that these are going to be really, really tightly contested. And it's, it's going to be great to see at this point of the, the season that we get these types of games, which is kind of par for the course at this point once you get into the last week of regular season, figuring out, regular season conference champs and seeding and of course the conference tournament it's it's the best time of year yeah i i do think midway has a very slight edge i i do agree i, th- I think it's a coin flip um uh, I, I really like their lineup i really like uh Mid- midway's lineup that's head headlined by the uh, two-way uh senior madison ludwig uh, as well as up up at the top of that <clears throat> up at the top top of that lineup kennedy thompson mary uh andrew uh, Andres for for the Eagles. Uh, it's a really good good overall lineup. You got seven eight girls that are batting right at or above three hundred. Uh, they have a workhorse like we said, Madison Ludwig, uh, one of the more underrated uh, two way players. Uh, a good comparison uh, to my to my to my to the Sun Conference listeners. Uh, it's kind of like Lizzie Small. Um, uh, Kind of like what Lizzie Small will continue to develop uh, into the the Kaiser uh, DP, and you know they have uh, another one. Sarah Joe Calhoun's got a sub sub two ERA. Freshman pitcher Michaela uh, McDowell, she's come in and start started for him in five games. A couple of relief appearances. She has a two point two six ERA. I'm a fan of the, these Midway Eagles here down the stretch. They played well, and I think they could very well. I think they'll. I don't. I, I, it's just. It's just so hard. You, you look at Indiana Southeast, and you can cancel cancel a lot lot out. Uh, I think if I had to choose one, I would choose Midway. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be another incredible matchup. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do give the slight edge to Midway here. I think that they're they're a more complete team than Indiana Southeast, just by a little bit, of course. And Ludwig, of course, gets all the attention. But Sarah Joe Calhoun, like you said, with the one nine. A one nine ERA, excuse me, and forty five and two thirds. Uh, I think if they can get uh, pr- big time production out of the bullpen from her, should Ludwig get into a little bit of trouble against a really good IUS lineup, I think it's going to come down to Calhoun. And I don't just personally as a fan, if I if I see two run run ball games at this stage of the season to decide a a conference championship regular season title, oh, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Taylor, let's take a quick look at what we've had just go down with Oregon Tech and Southern Oregon, uh, as well as College of Idaho, Eastern Oregon, and then wrap up. Good? All right. Uh, I do have my game one recap for Oregon Tech and Southern Oregon. Um, incredible back and forth game. Uh, got to watch it. Uh, young, a different arm for Southern Oregon. Uh, was a little surprised. Uh, see, see that, but 
business as usual for Miss Schmidt for, for Oregon Tech. An incredible seven inning, two run. You know, Southern Oregon, you look at that lineup, you hold them to two two runs and seven innings, you've done your job, especially at their place. Beautiful. Be- if you if you if you haven't uh played there seen that beautiful back backdrop, got the train, got got the mounds, everything, uh top class for the Raiders there. But it was top class for Oregon Tech. Uh, you know, Caleb Mick, big home run. Uh, th- went three for four on the day. St- uh, Stall batted on two RBIs for Oregon Tech uh, to take game one. Yeah, and Oregon Tech, they keep rolling. Like you said, the, the top dog now and pretty pretty set in stone with the way that they've been playing softball this year. Oregon Tech is definitely the favorite, I would say, in the country right now. Not by a lot, but mm-hmm. like – it's a, it's a weird, weird year. <laughs> so that's the only reason, honestly, that I say that the Owls, man, the Owls with Staub and, and Schmidt and, and Maggie Buckles, who's fifth in the country in RBIs right now. She is – this lineup and this pitching staff, Oregon Tech looks really primed to make a trip back to Georgia. Hey, shout out to uh, literally – like right now, just got the notification. I don't know if it came up on your phone, but a shout out to Kayla Mick, uh, Tech Yeah, now on the quote tweet. Yeah, that, that's a perfect, that, folks. I, you can't you can't make that up. I mean, it's timestamp nine thirty one right there. Oh, that 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 is electric. Uh, okay, let me quick quickly, very quickly go down. And yeah, so Southern Oregon did make it a game uh, in the seventh. Did score. Two, but Mackenzie Staub got the win again for Oregon Tech, four three. So Oregon Tech finishes strong. I'm pretty sure they said on the broadcast, yeah, that game two did not count for the Cascade Conference. Uh, didn't matter. Game one, uh, after Oregon Tech won, they wrapped up uh, the, the Cascade on that with that five two victory. But hey, I mean, two more really impressive wins. Uh, you know, they they lost one to Providence. I mean, they took three or four from um, a Providence side. You would expect them to take four or four. But, hey, you win three in a row against the team, it's hard to beat them a four, four time. I think we we can give them a, a, a mulligan on that one, especially coming back, having a great day against Southern Oregon today. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, it gives them the season series victory over, over Southern Oregon as well. Uh, two teams that we could see match up in the Cascade uh, Conference Tournament here here next week but Oregon Tech I mean they're they're number one they're number one for a reason they've really made quite the statement over this last month and behind that offense and those arms with with Staub and Schmidt the Oregon Tech Owls are rolling right now and they show no sl- no signs of slowing down like you said going in going into Southern Oregon today and, and taking those two wins I mean it's really really impressive stuff and they just continue to do it Absolutely. And hey, talk about continuing to win and continue to do well out in the cascade. Literally, right now, we do have final score uh, a little bit closer. Uh, well, really, two close games. Can't just look, look at the box score. But College of Idaho beats Eastern Oregon four to nothing and five, and five to four. Uh, taking a look at that game one, four nothing. You would think it was uh, comfortable. Not so fast, my friends. It was an incredible, incredible performance by the two pitchers uh, today uh, between Eastern Oregon and College of Idaho. Excuse me. Uh, Caitlin Wilford uh, ended up getting the win for Idaho, only giving up eight hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. But it cannot be said about the job that Caitlin Hoskins did for Eastern Oregon. Eight innings, 
seven hits, one walk, and 17 strikeouts. Got in trouble in the top of the eighth. Ended up giving up a home run to Haiti Hruza. Happens when you're playing College of Idaho, you're bound to give up a, a home run every now and then. Uh, just, hey, you know, pro- ends up pro- props. Caitlin Wilford was amazing for seven innings and had a four-run lead going into the bottom of the eighth and executed. Yeah, like you said, I mean, that's a tough L to take for Hoskins to throw in the way she did. I mean, she did that back back in the last matchup against College of Idaho. Struck them out 17 times, got the win in that. Ends up getting a loss today. Uh, but Eastern Oregon, like I said, it's a team that I got to see last year in the Oklahoma City opening round. Uh, Eastern Oregon, and especially behind Hoskins. Uh, Hoskins can do a lot of damage here in the Cascade Conference Tournament. Um, but College of Idaho, man, the, the Yotes, their lineup is feared, and they're, it's feared for very good reason. And they they took it to them today. They, they got that huge momentum swing on that grand slam and uh, followed up with another win. And the Yotes right now, I mean, top 10, top 10 for a reason. This lineup's really, really good. And then Williford and McNerney, too, and nothing, not enough can be said about them. Uh, the Cascade is going to be really, really fun in the conference tournament next week. Yeah, I tell you what, Eastern Oregon, uh, boy, I, oof, you thought that one was tough, man. So, and game two, Eastern Oregon uh, uh, was down five to one heading into the seventh. They were able to. Uh, get back single home run double crawl back and it's actually five to nothing heading into the sixth. Uh, then they, they make it five to one heading to the seventh solo shot double bring in another um, on an error. Uh, but big shout out to Annie Polster coming in and getting that final out. Uh, Hannah Mc, McNeary uh, got the win for the Yotes going six and two thirds uh, for College of Idaho, but. Uh, needed needed someone to go and get get that uh the the hardest out um a, as they say and Annie Polster sure did that um hey see College of Idaho went winning a couple di- different ways just battling battle test two battle tested wins uh in the Cascade for the Yotes uh to uh, I think wrap up the episode yeah well like I say every week. Get ready for another great week of NAI softball conference tournament time. The end of the regular season, wrapping up the regular season titles, and then it's the postseason, baby. What we Boom, it's postseason, baby. We got postseason softball, AAC tournament, and then it's like the hey, yeah, that's the appetizer. I guess AAC, the A is for appetizer for postseason, and then oh, we're good, baby. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.